Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. On this week's episode of SEO 101, we present part two of Ross Dunn and John Carcutt's conversation with Google spokesperson John Mueller. We got some uh, great questions from uh, Mark Taylor, one of the moderators on our quite a few good ones as usual. He says, we have an e-commerce site that only publishes unique content, which is well written and of good depth and relevance. In addition, we use appropriate schema, have quality images, videos, and customer reviews. We have never and will never actively build links to the sites, to the site. So my question is, what else would you recommend in order to perform well in Google search results if I'm doing all of this? Well, it sounds like uh, the site is already doing a lot of things great. So I think that's definitely a step ahead of a lot of sites that we see. Um, but one thing I kind of caution is to not assume that your site is doing great now and you never have to change it. So this is something that also comes up fairly regularly where we'll see a webmaster saying, well, my site is perfect. It's been perfect for the last 10 years and I haven't <laughs> changed it. Why should I do anything with it now? Uh, what what kind of ranking factors do I have to play with? I'm just following the book, you know? My, so, my, black, and, my black and white TV works perfectly, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to assume that this is a black and white website, but this is something that you always have to think about. The, the web is constantly moving. Your users are constantly kind of changing what they're looking for. So don't assume that if it's perfect now, it'll be perfect forever. Ever. Make sure you test it regularly. Test it with your current users. Test it with people who haven't seen it before. So kind of go out on a limb and, and go a little bit further than you would kind of out of your comfort zone and see what what the r random internet user would think of your website and how they they would respond to that so that's something where i think you shouldn't be too comfortable by saying well i'm doing all the right things um, the other thing that's worth keeping in mind when, when I see things like unique content or I'm using schema and have high quality images, a site is a lot more than just the technical information that's behind it. So it's like you don't need text that just passes uh, like a, an easy copy and paste test. You really need to make sure that this content is really high quality, unique and compelling and not just that it's like unique text and the combination of these words is something that's not found on the internet. It really has to provide some value of its own. And past just the text, uh, the general quality of the website needs to be such that users, when they go there, they, they kind of understand that this is a high-quality website, that this is where they find what they're looking for. And that's something that you can't kind of refine into technical thing where you say, well, I'm doing this, this, and this properly. Um, the quality of a website is, is really vague and hard to kind of capture. So that's something that also comes out with a lot of testing. Yeah. And I, th I think there's an underlying question in Mark's question as well, specifically tied to link building, because he's, he mentions they'll never, ever build links. And I bet you part of his, his, his goal asking this question was, how do you compete if you're not going to build links to your site because you're going to rely on all these other things, that you're, you're going to spend your resources doing all this other stuff? How do you compete with, with a competitor who's spending a significant amount of time building links? Um, that's, I guess, always hard. It kind of depends on where you're, you're active. So I don't have any generic answer where I can say, well, you do this, this, and this, and that'll be just as good as someone else doing these five other things. Um, when it comes to, to ranking, we, we look at a lot of factors and we try to balance them out. And it's not the case that you need to kind of fill out each one of these things or that you can take one of them and fill it up completely. We, we try to figure out what, what the right balance there is. And sometimes we'll see sites ranking that have almost no links or that have zero links completely. And these are things where our algorithms are trying to do the right things and figure out where really the, the high-quality, relevant content is for users. 
Awesome. And I, and I do have a kind of a personal follow-up question to this. I've been saying for probably over a year now that links, while links are still important, the craft of link building is dead. Am I right? <laughs> I know, put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble for, for these kinds of questions. You were trying to ask, though. Um, I, I don't know. It's... It's, uh, I, I guess, a tricky situation in the sense that, to, to some extent, you want to market your content like you would market any business, where you'd say, well, you put out flyers in your neighborhood and say, well, this is my business. You know, come and visit it. And you put your address on it because you kind of like need to have some way for them to find you. So it, in that sense, this is something where if you're doing advertising, then of course it kind of involves placing your link on other people's websites, making sure you have the nofollow tag for, for that kind of advertising definitely makes sense. But you're kind of building up a, a group of users for your website. And I think over the long term, that's something that will kind of become more natural, but it's not not the case that you need to go out there and try to build follow links or page rank passing links. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. John, you're, you're, John C., you're cruel. I, I was trying to avoid it because he went through that whole debacle recently. With, uh, I know. <laughs> I apologize. And, and I want to be clear. When I when I say that is link building, is that I'm really talking about those SEO shops and those people that focus on link building as the primary way to, 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 to make any impact on their rankings and on their traffic. And to me, that's just a ridiculous way to approach this industry and this, this task. No. Yeah, I, th I think there's always going to be a place for, um, well, the simple fact is if, if there are places that could, would value... Um, your content, you're going to go out there and tell them, hey, check this out. You might find this of use. And then out of that, you can get links. And it's, it's a very labor-intensive work and, and something that we've always talked about, and Johnny, you always bring up, and it's definitely true, is well, is that the lowest hanging fruit that you could be doing? You know, is, <laughs> That's a lot of work, and there's probably other things you could be doing for better gains. But just the same, there is some validity to that, and, and if you've got a big uh, department, right? people that can do different things. There's, I, I don't see any harm in that. What do you think, John? John M. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, if you can create things that are really popular that people love to share, then I think that's that's something that's that's really valuable. Mm -hmm. I don't know if something that's really popular that people want to share actually brings a lot of value for your business. That might depend on your business. So if you have something that people share virally, but actually they go to your website and they don't buy any car insurance, then I don't know how much value you're going to get out of that that's a kind of common type of content. Yeah. But that's that's but, something where if you have something fantastic and you think there, there might be people out there who might be interested in it, I don't know. Wouldn't Sometimes that contribute to the overall authority of the website, though, so that uh, it has a better chance of being found? Because it has uh, some popular content? Because it has such? some popular content. Not, not always. I mean, hmm. some websites have really popular pages that are totally irrelevant for the rest of the content. So. Oh, yes, if it's totally irrelevant, I totally agree. Yeah. But if there's a relevance factor, then it, it, I would <coughs> expect from... Well, from results I've seen, yeah. but that does have an impact on the overall credibility of the site. Is I, I think you're starting to look at it in too much detail, almost, in the sense <laughs> that you're trying to analyze the relevance of my viral content, and you know, at, at that level, you're you're almost trying to figure out what tricks I can play to kind of make search engine think that my site is relevant instead of having a site that is relevant. Well, I'm, yeah. yeah, what I'm doing is I agree in the sense that I'm I'm definitely um, disassembling why my site ranks well, but I, I also know that it's got good content in this case. You know, and, and I'm not talking about my site, I'm just, this is a hypothetical site, but anyway. Uh, and I, th I think, Ross, it goes back to the idea of this the site versus the page as well, because you know, we've said this on the show a number of times, when you're searching, you're asking a question, and Google's job is to find the best answer for that question, and there's mm -hmm. all the factors go into determining that, and relevancy is a big piece of that. If you're not relevant to the question being asked, it doesn't matter how popular you are, it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, the overall theme is sort of where I was getting at, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, 
<laughs> well, this is a question that was expected. Um, the Google Plus breakup, or whatever you want to call it. I'm sure there's more uh, politically correct ways of putting it within Google. But um, given the recent nuisances from Mark um, to split Google Plus into separate elements, for those of us that love Google Plus, should we be worried that this is the beginning beginning of the end? So I don't work on the Google Plus team. I can't really answer for them. But I do know our engineers are not sitting around playing pool all day. So <laughs> they always want to do something really big and something better. And they like taking things that are already fairly well and making them even better. So I wouldn't be surprised if they take it to a next bigger step. But uh, I love Google Plus as well. I, I use it every day. And it's something where I think we're not going to just like delete it and move on. We're going to build up on, on something that becomes even better and better. So in that sense, I, I'd be lo looking forward to, to what they're working on and seeing what, what, what comes out of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely I'm agree. I, I, I am to uh, upset that, you know, that there's even now, you know, it, it even provoked the thought that Google Plus is breaking up because that's the last thing we needed to hear again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've had enough of the Google Plus's dead garbage. Because um, yeah, I use it all the time too, and, and frankly, it's been one of my best sources of not only business but friendships um, yeah. online. It's been fantastic, uh, yeah. but mm -hmm. you know, it definitely has its uh, soft spots. So I'm yeah. glad that they're working on it. And the community for this radio show on Google Plus is amazing, and it completely blows the one we had on Facebook out of the water. So I'm just saying. <laughs> well, and awesome. that's the thing. Communities. I mean, again, sorry. I know John. I, I suspected this might not be in your realm, but it, it, I know you like Google Plus because you're on there a lot. Obviously, um, communities is the one thing that no one's mentioned in all of this. Um, do you do you know anything about what's happening with communities? I don't know. Huh. I, I I don't know. I mean, I know these these are things that the Google Plus team is really passionate about as well. They run, I think, the official support group is in, in a Google Plus community. So it's mm. it's definitely not something that they they don't know exists. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, John, why don't you take away the next one? Sure. We got a question from Chris Clayton um, tied to author rank. Not authorship, author rank. So we all know that authorship is kind of seen its day. Um, but he's, he's still he still has a question about author rank. If somebody who's published a lot of material on a certain topic, um, which ranks well, um, starts to publish material on a new website, completely different topic, will that content on a new topic benefit? The person in any way, and I guess he's asking basically, can you get, can you have author rank in multiple topics? Um, I, I guess I would follow that up by, uh, is author rank still a thing? We know authorship went away, um, but author rank made so much sense that that it would be a shame to think that it went away as well. I don't think we actually had an author rank, so with, with that or, in mind, or the idea, or the idea of author rank. Every day. Thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. I guess I should yeah. tell I, I think, I mean, we, we don't track authorship anymore. We, we don't keep track of these, these rel author links anymore. So those are things that essentially we don't have at the moment. Um, I wouldn't say that it'll be gone forever, but I don't think, at least at the moment, it makes sense for us to kind of chase these kind of things when we don't have any clear way of determining where this content is actually from. So I could imagine at some point in the future, maybe we'll, we'll pick up on something like that. Again, I think this is a really interesting idea, and if it could be picked up in a way that, that makes sense, then maybe. Um, but with with authorship, that definitely wasn't the case. So we kind of had to take the step there and just say, well, this was an interesting experiment for the moment, but maybe its time hasn't hasn't come yet. So I, um, <clears throat> I of course, there was a lot of discussion about this, as you know, when that uh, was removed, authorship. Uh, some people speculated, and uh, speculation, speculation, but that uh, it was partly removed, yes, because it didn't, really give a lot of benefit. It didn't work out as the way it was supposed to. Or that it 
they got enough of the signal, understood that they were able to imp implement what mattered into their into the algorithm, such as they can now better understand who are authors versus not authors without using the markup. Um, but from what you you've stated, I think so far there is nothing that yeah. is being used in the algorithm right now, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there's always been this this vague idea that Google knows everything, and when someone publishes that. something, that <laughs> Google understands all the thoughts behind this piece of content and why it came into being, and which which facts are on this content, which ones aren't, who wrote this, and who originally came up with the idea to, I don't know, but <laughs> there is. There's a lot of work that needs to be done before anything like that can happen. Right. And I don't think that's that's going to take place anytime soon where we can look at a random piece of content and say, well, this goes back to Descartes who said this and this. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. So and, and that, that kind of cool. cool. <laughs> that would be cool, but it also kind of ties in. There was a recent, there's a lot of buzz recently about a, I think it was a New York Times article that talked about a new patent you guys had that were, you were going to use facts to help determine ranking, so whether something is true or not. And I, I personally thought that lead, linked a little bit more towards knowledge graph stuff as opposed to organic search results, um, and it, they, somebody just got it all confused. Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, where, how do facts come into play when it comes to ranking signals and or the uh, knowledge graph? That was um, essentially a research paper, so not something that we actually use in search. Um, we do a lot of research papers. We do a lot of patents on lots of interesting ideas, and I think they're probably interesting to track, but uh, in this case, it's not something that we actually implement in search. Yeah, I, th I thought that would be kind of crazy because a fact to one person can be speculation to another, and it's how to determine what is a fact versus what is not would be just amazing if you could do that because that would just change the world. That would be one of those things that would literally change the world. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard sometimes because you ask Google, like, who killed JFK? And that's <laughs> probably not something where Google could just say, well, this is the absolute answer, and no other theories have any place in, in your head. Like, you should believe this. And there, there are a lot of topics like that where you want to see diverse set of results, where you want to see a diverse set of viewpoints, and you don't want just one answer. Of course, there are other topics where you say, well, what is 2 plus 5? And you want the answer. <laughs> so that's that's something a bit different. But for a lot of search results, we can't really say this is correct or this is not correct. <laughs> and even if you look at web pages, it's not that you could grade them and say, well, this is a perfect website that has absolutely pure facts on it. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. All-Inclusive Marketing is the luxurious five-star resort of digital marketing. Welcome to All-Inclusive Marketing. Engage with All-Inclusive Marketing's award-winning strategists to ramp up your online profitability and brand exposure, driving new customer acquisitions, increased sales, and stronger buyer retention. Another mojito, please? All-Inclusive Marketing's full-service digital and performance marketing accommodates every brand, specializing in retail, travel, and software as a service. What a great room. The A in All-Inclusive Marketing means award winning leadership, excellence and results, as well as an A rating by the Better Business Bureau. For reach, engagement and conversion, it's all-inclusive marketing. Reserve a free consultation today at allinclusivemarketing.com slash radio. 
Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. We are uh, here today with John Mueller, a senior webmaster trends analyst at Google Switzerland. I, I, sort of on a side note, and I just a, a sort of a break between the questions here. Something came up, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's curious. What does your average day at Google look like? That's busy um, as hell. I'm always curious. Are you guys like go 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 all day? Right? What? what we drink a lot of coffee. I mean, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't play pool all day. Uh, <laughs> so you play with I legs. Guess my average, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, actually, I was in I was in the New York City Google office last month, and they had this giant. It's like a Lego store inside the office, yeah, and they played Legos a lot. Fantastic there, yeah, I, I really pretty, like that. It was pretty neat. So, so I guess I I spend most of my time in my inbox and uh, go through my emails. Um, on on my way to work, I come with the train. I usually have my inbox open, go through a bunch of stuff, and just archive things that are worth like taking a glance at. But it's not that I have to do anything because we have awesome coworkers that take care of that. Um, but that's essentially what where I kind of live, going through things that other people are doing, going through things that people might need some feedback from me on. Um, we, we publish a lot of content, so we have a lot of things where we have to make sure that they're correct, that they're written in the right way, that they're clear, that they're not misleading in any way, that they can't be kind of twisted around in a weird way and then uh, reused. So that's definitely something we spend a lot of time on. Um, we go to the help forums a, a lot to kind of figure out what problems are showing up there. Uh, we work with the top contributors there a lot in the back rooms so that they understand how they can respond to these things. Hmm. Um, and then we have a lot of meetings with teams in other places. So we do a lot of stuff in English, but we have people in Dublin who speak all kinds of languages, teams in India and China and Japan. Even in the U.S., is 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 English the predominant language through all of Google, or do you guys change based on location? Uh, it's mostly the the dominant language at Google. So in some countries, like I think in Germany and maybe in Japan or China, they the engineers also speak the the local language among themselves. But for the most part, it's it's really English. Interesting. Hmm. Well, thanks. So uh, one of the, the follow-up questions here, and these are some questions we put together ourselves, was uh, <laughs> I, I loved this uh, recent article from Cyrus Shepard at, at Moz. He says the, the title was 10 SEO Myths That Friggin' Tick Me Off. So <laughs> what are some of the SEO myths that you're tired of hearing? Um, I don't really get tired of hearing them. It's just a sign that we kind of have to do better communications. So... <laughs> That's I, I think it's it's not that that I want to prevent people from asking these kind of questions or coming bringing up these kind of myths, but it's uh, they just happen and so we have to kind of respond to that. So I guess one of the things that always comes up, which probably doesn't come up so much with you or maybe the more advanced audience, is do keyword meta tanks actually work? <laughs> so which keyword meta tags I have to use? Um, that's 
yeah, you're laughing, but uh, a lot of people who come into kind of the, the website making uh, side of things, have maybe a small business, they see, well, this keyword meta tag, you know, this is, this is what search engines want, you know, they just want keywords. And they assume that this has some kind of magical value. So one of the most popular posts on our blog is actually, no, we don't use keyword meta tags in ranking. And that's not something where I'd say, you know, it bugs me that people still haven't figured this out. It's, I think it's, it's normal that uh, people kind of go through that process and think, well, this is a machine-readable way of providing the keywords that my page has, and search engines are machines, so maybe I should do that. So, so Bing has actually come out and said they do use the keyword meta tag now, but the only thing they use it for is to identify people trying to manipulate them. Do you guys do the same thing? I don't think we use them at all. Not at all? Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, not at all. I mean, using them to see if someone is trying to manipulate us, I, I think, I don't know. I, I wouldn't find that as, as being too nice because a lot of these people, they just don't know. So they get advice by some relative who says, well, yeah, I saw this blog post, and they mentioned keyword meta tags, and I put them in there for you, and each word is mentioned twice or three times because, you know, better rankings. <laughs> and that's something, I mean, we, we kind of laugh at that because we say, well, of course, you know, we've seen this, you know, it's like, of course, this doesn't have any role. But for the normal webmaster, this is kind of the, the thing that they run into. And I think that's that's perfectly fine, and that's something you kind of have to understand and kind of go through that process and say, well, okay, so search engines aren't just technically looking for these words, they're actually trying to understand my pages, therefore maybe I should focus on making great pages instead. And that's kind of what we're aiming for. Yeah, and I, I don't want anyone to think that who are listening that we're laughing mockingly. It's just... It's just laughing because we hear it all the time too. I I, I just I work with small business, so I'm I, I spend a fair bit of my initial discussion explaining what uh, small and medium sized business what uh, <laughs> these things are that. Sure, you may be able to hear just how crispy the McDonald's crispy juicy tender chicken sandwich is, but that's just the beginning. The full crispy juicy tender experience comes after you take your first bite. But why stop there? Order ahead on the app and get medium fries and soft drink for free. Now that's a deal that tastes even better than it sounds. Valid 830 to 919, 10, 11 to 1031, and 1122 to 12, 1221. Valid one time per week. McDonald's app download and registration required. You don't need to do are things that are totally over, you know, don't listen to anyone that says this, etc., etc., because, you know, there's just so much misinformation that amazingly still sticks. I, I just I can't believe it. Um, any other uh, SEO um, questions that uh, are pretty common that you know? I, I guess one aspect that also comes up quite a bit is someone with a very bad website. Maybe it's it's like an MFA site that essentially just has content from feeds that essentially doesn't provide any value at all. Uh, that will come up and ask a question about something technical. Like they'll say, so how should I implement schema.org on my website so that you'll <laughs> rank it again? And this is something where it's kind of going goes into the same aspect that they're trying to do something technical on their website to essentially fix a problem that's more general than that. So really kind of understanding that, well, your website overall doesn't really have a future in search engines because it doesn't really provide something really fantastic. That step is, is really hard to take for a lot of people because maybe they've been working on this site that when we look at it, we'd have to say, well, not really that awesome. They've been working on it for a while now, and they like, well, maybe I'll just implement schema.org or hreflang or rel canonical, and then everything will work out. And these things aren't technical issues. It's like a more a general architecture issue that you're building kind of a type of online business that doesn't really work. So mm -hmm. taking a step back and being able to understand, well, maybe I should try to find something different where I can actually provide value where the technical details don't even matter that much. Mm. That's kind of a, a bigger step. And that's something where people have a hard time making that jump sometimes. Definitely. Very good. Okay, thanks. So <clears throat> one question I have is uh, in, the, in the local realm, and, and again, I don't 
you've you've got a very broad um, answer set. I've noticed, or you know, uh, knowledge in, in in Google. So I don't know whether this will jump into your area, but just how sensitive is Google to slight variation in name, address, and phone number, or NAP syntax? For example, a comma versus no comma between county and state, or suite three ten versus number three ten. Um, it just I, I I do a lot of local SEO and and um, I'm trying to clean up NAP for many clients that have seem to have some changes across different um, directories and stuff to see some minor things and sometimes I I honestly feel like uh, I'm doing kind of useless things because it it seems astonishing to me that Google could possibly see any issue with what uh, a comma not being there versus suite versus number you know well, any thoughts on that like. Do you have any uh, knowledge in that area? I don't know how local search would handle that. So yeah. specifically, like the map search, the local one boxes, those kind of things. In general, I tend to keep things as consistent as possible. But uh, if you're looking at like cleaning up commas and things like that, I don't think that's probably so much of a problem. But if you have like an old address and a new address, or an old phone number and a new phone number, then those are the kind of things where we'll have problems like reconciling that data and saying, well, these entries are actually about the same business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's something that I, you know, <clears throat> I constantly have to read on. We all have to. We're, we practice SEO. We don't know SEO. It's constantly ongoing. And, uh, and I just find it interesting to seeing all the, the discussions and, you know, the local search ranking factors talking about continuity between addresses and stuff. And, and they get into some of that detail. Some, uh, I don't know. It's... It'd be interesting to get someone from a local team that talk, talk about this. Uh, maybe yeah. I can follow up. And maybe we get someone on the show. Yeah, and just and this may be too deep for this conversation, but I saw saw something in local yesterday that I'd never seen before, and I was gonna I was gonna ask if you'd heard about this. So I had a customer um, who he's a I think he's a plumber um, in New Jersey, and he wanted to do business in cities surrounding his location, and but not thinking about search or anything at all. He was just thinking about his customers. What he did was he went and registered phone numbers in each of those cities so his customers would have a local number to call as opposed to something outside of their local area. And what I found was because he registered that local number, even without a physical location, Google created a Google Plus page for his business using just the phone number without an address. It's showing up in the local packet, showing up in Google Plus as a business listed page is unclaimed. Um, I'm curious if 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 you if you've heard of that or um, how something like that, if it's something that's been going on or if it sounds like an anomaly. I'm just I had never seen that before. I can't really speak for the local team, but I, I have seen things like that being used for spammy reasons as well. So hmm. I don't know if that's that's like a, a great strategy, but I I definitely check with the local team before doing something like that. Okay, so he's basically he's doing something that he thinks is good for his customers, but unintentionally could be harming him from a local search standpoint. I don't I don't know about. I don't know how phone numbers work in the U.S., but I, I'd assume that you wouldn't need a local phone number in every city, right? It would be cost, I don't know, a phone call would probably cost about the same. I, mean, I it's more it's, it's more related to area codes because he has a wide, it's not just like the city next to his. He's trying to cover a large geographic area within New Jersey in different, in different area codes. So he wanted to make sure there was a local area code for those people to call. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know, yeah. Hard to say. <clears throat> All right. Thanks. So uh, another question here is, uh, what are the downsides you are aware of when switching a website to HTTPS? Are there any? For example, should site owners expect ranking fluctuations? You mentioned that they shouldn't if they're just doing with, uh, um, unless they're doing TLDs, but are there any other disadvantages that you know of uh, since this whole transition began? Um, I can't think of any reason not to switch to HTTPS. If you have like the possibility to do that, I, I definitely do that. It's not something that I I hold off on. I think the the bigger difficulties are more if you have embedded content and if you have issues around that, where you have to rely on specific kind of content that you want to embed that isn't available on HTTPS, and that might be something worth worrying about. But if this is your content, if you're publishing it on your website for your users, 
Um, switch to HTTPS. I don't see any downside. I haven't run across a user that came to me and said, hey, John, I'd really love to go to this website. If only I could do it with an insecure way. <laughs> like, nobody would do that. <laughs> so, so, John, I have one hesitation about switching sites to HTTPS, and maybe you can help me. So I worry about the fact that, you know, we know that links are a signal, and most people are not going to link to a site using an HTTPS link, right? So when the link comes in, and it, and it basically either it gets redirected or it's not a direct link, and I'm worried no one from Google has ever been able to say, yes, we treat that exactly the same way as if it would be a non-HTTP link coming into the site. I'm worried yeah. that there's going to be some loss of authority if you don't get no. that switch because of the redirect. No, that's that's perfectly fine. That's so you, so they treat those exactly the same as if it yeah. would have been a non-HTTPS yeah. link. All right, yeah. great to hear. Good. That's the first time anybody's ever told me that definitively, so that's awesome. Great. Now, in the terms of uh, Google Webmaster Tools, um, how soon can we expect the new search query reports to come out? Are, are they, how, you know, I know it's been, what, it was January you guys started uh, showing off the alpha, at least to a select few. Um, yeah. How are they coming along? Uh, we're getting lots of feedback, and the team is working on, on implementing a lot of that. I don't have any, like, fixed timelines that I can share around that, but... I think we're, we're definitely looking into doing another round of testing and then maybe making that public. So I wouldn't assume that it's going to take too long, but probably not next week. How, how do we get our name on that list for to be the testing? Make sure you sign up. I, I think right, I the next round we, we'll just take those that, that are already signed up, but uh, I don't know what, what the specifics are around that. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so what, are the, what are the intended benefits of the new reports? Um, I don't know if you've seen them. Have you had a chance to take a look? Uh, yeah, uh, I've seen a couple shots, uh, screenshots of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. more for the so, listeners. I wasn't sure. Yeah, so we're trying to like find different ways of, of visualizing this information so that it's a little bit easier for you to kind of compare things, to pull things out like mobile versus desktop, those kind of differences. Um, also to, I guess, yeah, how can I say this? Um, I'd actually have to take a look at the reports to kind of give you some more details. But <laughs> I guess one of the differences that uh, that I remember is that uh, we, we treat impressions a slightly different way. So if you've been looking at your impression reports from the existing search query report in Webmaster Tools, you'll notice that it's a bit different with the new one, especially when, when you have access to this, in the sense that if your site was ranking multiple times for one query, in the past, we would count each of those times as a separate impression. So if you're like searching for blue shoes and your site shows up two or three times uh, for that query in that search results page, then we'd count that as two or three impressions. And with the new report, we count that as just one impression. And the idea behind that is more that your site is showing up once. It's not the case that your site is showing up uh, for multiple queries. It's essentially showing up once in the search results page with multiple entries. So that's something where if you're comparing just the impressions number from the old to new system, you might be kind of surprised in the beginning and say, oh my god, my site disappeared, or these results are totally wrong. But actually, it's just looking at them in a slightly different way. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash Webmaster Radio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Today's an auspicious occasion. We're joined today by John Mueller, a senior webmaster trend analyst at Google Switzerland. The last question, at least from my end here, is <clears throat> what about old content? So in this case, I'm using my site as an example. My site, oh my God, it's the embarrassing cobbler shoes example. Uh, yeah, it, excuse. It's out of date. I need to upgrade it for mobile. This is April 21st. thing was actually a great kick in the butt. So I've got content, because we've been around 18 years, I've got content, <laughs> well, we started writing newsletters and articles back in 2000 um, that... Some of it's still available on our site. Should, if is there, do you think there's any value? I don't, but do you think there's any value of having that still accessible? Obviously, the content's out of date, but to show authority, uh, any authority, if I keep that on the new site when I do the transition, that's kind of up to you. I think. I know. I just I, honestly asking for advice here. I don't. <laughs> yeah. know. I, I mean, if you look at newspaper sites, they, they keep their archive, and it's not something that they say this is relevant content, but this is kind of like what, what happened back then. And yeah. sometimes that can be interesting. Um, sometimes maybe it's not so interesting. Maybe it's worth putting a visible date on these pages so that if someone goes there that they're not like, oh, my God, they just discovered Ahrefs, <laughs> and I've known about this for years now. Um, yeah, no, they got dates. <laughs> yeah. That's and I know, Ross, you and I have had this conversation, and I, I I run newspaper websites, so I agree with you, John. I mean, we've had we've had millions of pages on our websites, and you know there are instances where some of those pages we look we, we're going we have a major project going on right now to identify thin content pages, pages that could be hurting us because they're just not valuable in any way whatsoever. But if it's a decent article, it doesn't matter if it's ten years old. There's no reason to remove it. I don't think it's going to hurt us sure. to keep it on there. It's the thin stuff that's going to have a potential to, to hurt us. So if you got yeah. real good content there's no it's my opinion is it's not going to hurt you to keep it it may or may not help you yeah well you know it's our some of it's our first content i'm not sure it's its best but it's there yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean sure yeah i i wouldn't necessarily delete it i mean it might disappear accidentally at some point but I, I wouldn't purposely just say, well, this is old content, it's not relevant anymore, I'll delete it just because it's old. Because some of this might might be interesting afterwards where people are looking at this and saying, well, how did hreflang evolve over time? And they look at these older blog posts and say, well, in the beginning people used it like this and then this and then this. And suddenly you have, you have a link from some new article that's writing about how things evolved. Sure enough. Yes. Okay, thank you. 
So, so I got one more question, Ross, and I think I think that exhausts our list. So, John, we've we've talked on the show a number of times, and and this is kind of my approach to SEO personally. Is the the foundations of SEO are made up of three things: authority, relevancy, and trust, right? And and uh, just for the audience, authority is you know the offsite signals, whether they be links or citations, depending on what it is. Um, Relevancy, of course, is the content on your site relevant. Trust is a lot of those technical signals with duplicate content or if you're trying to do black hat techniques, that kind of stuff. So between those three things as a foundation, um, if you had your own website, and this is kind of a trick question, and I totally get it if you're going to not give me a clear answer because I, I understand. But if you had your own website and you could only work on one of those three things, building authority to your site, building relevancy to your site, or building trust to your site, which would you pick? Um, probably relevancy. I mean, essentially creating good content. Mm -hmm. But I add that for SEO, I, I see a big aspect that a lot of people skip is just the technical foundation. And mm -hmm. that's something that that plays a really big role if, with, with a lot of websites. So having a website that's accessible by Googlebot where the content can be crawled, where the links can be followed, that doesn't end up in, in a big mess of URLs in, in the end. These are things that are kind of a technical foundation that you need, and that's something that's definitely not going to go away. That's something that all websites kind of need to think about when they're looking at SEO. And when I talk to, to new small businesses who are like looking into whether or not they should use SEO or not, that's one of the first things I talk to them about is like, do you have a website that actually technically is useful as a foundation? Because otherwise, that's something you have to work on first. And then once you have that foundation, building something on there with great content, with relevant content, that's obviously the next step. But uh, from there, if you're a small business and you don't have time to do much more, I think that's, that's a good, good piece to kind of build on and to kind of uh, stay active on like that. Great, great, excellent, so, and we fit tr we fit that technical stuff under the trust umbrella. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it trust because it's it's not that we we don't believe the website if it's technically not okay, but if we can't crawl it, we we can't do anything with it if it's yeah. kind of like blocked from our view. Well, the, the reason we pick, put it under there is because if we add another category, it ruins our acronym of ART, Authority, Relevancy, and Trust. <laughs> we can't call it CO ART anymore. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, so I, I'm sorry, I have another question because it's actually something that came up recently, and if you're okay, it, it's about the layered content. I, I recently, um, I'm not sure it was in one of your webmaster um, uh, chats or not, John, but it was about... Uh, Content hidden within tabs, hidden being kind mm -hmm. of a, um, I'm not sure it's the best word for it, but people are using tabs to clean up a page and make it so that they don't have to scroll down the page and make it really easy to get around to content. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, I'm dealing with a client who is transitioning sites, and this new site is quote-unquote more advanced um, by having this tab system. His last site, which is ranking exceedingly well, I'm like, why are you moving? I mean, it's doing so beautifully. Um, but upper corporates, you know, they want things moved, um, is all in line. It's, there's no tabs. It's just all the contents on the page. If he's doing that transition and now he's in tabs, is that content not going to be, um, you know, I've heard that if it's in a tab, it's, it's hidden from the people at first view, it's not going to be considered. What are your thoughts on that? So I, I guess it kind of depends on how you place it in tabs. So some people put their content in tabs in a way that essentially creates separate URLs. So you click on a tab, it opens a new URL. I think that's that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. um, other things, maybe you're using JavaScript or CSS to hide and display the content. That's something where we'll pick up the content when we crawl the page. It's in the HTML. But when we render the page, we won't see the content. So we'll kind of de-emphasize it and say, if someone is searching for this kind of content, we'll know this is, exists. And if there's nothing else out there or this is kind of like, well, it's a good fallback, we can pull that up. But uh, if there's lots of other good content out there, we'll say, well, this page isn't primarily about this content. So maybe we shouldn't rank it as highly. And 
that's something that kind of mimics how users would look at this as well, in that if they're looking for something that's not primarily visible on a page, then they get confused. They say, well, hey, Google, why did you send me to this page? I don't see what I was looking for. And you're doing a bad job, Google. You should uh, do a better job. So that's something where that kind of behavior comes in, and we kind of re react to that as well. A third type of tap content that we've seen that's really problematic is if you click on the tab and it does some kind of fancy AJAX call in the background and pulls the content in on the fly. Mm. And those are the type of things that Googlebot can't mimic at all, because it can render the page. It can kind of act like a normal browser, but it can't click on every element on the page to see if anything changes. So that's something where if you're using AJAX to pull that content in for that tab, then chances are we're not going to be able to pick that up at all. So, and so, some, so some people would claim that those tabs are a design, kind of a design element, um, a decision based on design. Does that play into it at all um, in your decision, or is it purely visibility? Um, it can, I mean, this, this can definitely make sense that you say, well, this is my primary content. It's primarily visible. And the tabs have some auxiliary content that's additionally interesting for the user. And in a case like that, I think from a design point of view, that's, that's perfectly fine. But you kind of have to accept that this additional auxiliary content that you have in the tabs, that's not the primary content of the page. And maybe that's not supposed to be seen as the most relevant content for the page. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So if you have a page about hotels and you have tabs on the side with rental cars or attractions nearby, then you don't really need to rent, kind of rank for those rental car pay, uh, results separately if you're trying to promote your hotel in, in the first place. So that's something where I wouldn't say you should avoid this at all costs, but you should kind of be aware that if this content isn't visible when you load the page, then maybe it's not the most relevant. Hmm. Great. John, what a pleasure it's been to have you on the show. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. All yeah. right. Thank you. Yeah, great to be here. And uh, <clears throat> if, there, if there are any follow-up questions within our community, is it OK if we uh, ping in and hopefully sure. uh, get some responses? That'd be great. Sure. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, I know you've only got your room there. Uh, <laughs> until, actually, you're already past your time. And we really appreciate you taking your time out of your pool today to, to talk with us. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <Don't play. laughs> Just teasing, but yeah, we do appreciate yeah, yeah. the amount of time you spent with us today. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. It's been really interesting. Thanks for all the questions. Thank you. Have a great one, John. Yeah. Right. Thanks. You too. Thanks, on behalf of myself, Bye -bye. Ross Bye -bye. Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 on Google Plus. And, uh, well, uh, there's a lot of questions on there. In fact, I think we missed getting to a couple of them this week, so we'll have to look at that next week. But uh, Nice. I love uh, questions. Yes, yes. So keep them coming, and hopefully we can it'd be great if we could get a whole show of just questions. Very cool. Yeah. Well, have a great week, everyone. And remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, every Wednesday on webmasterradio.fm. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business -business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.